Good evening, welcome to episode 6 of Roleplay Life. Uh, I am this week's host, Gareth, and as usual, there are the usual cohorts of Dan and John, uh, and we're here to talk about RPGs, this week even including tabletop RPGs. Um, But I think, first of all, we've got uh, a little bit of general news to talk about and discuss, Um, and I feel the person who's been most vocal about this currently in our Discord chat and generally the most of my life when he's been talking in my ear is john who is i'm unsure how you feel about this situation with the announcement of mass effect so yeah this is a mass effect uh what's known as the legendary edition it's a remake of all three games uh they have said that it's going to be on pc playstation 4 and xbox one in spring 2021 so next year uh, and obviously by saying spring, it's sometime be- before March, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so there's not a lot of details to go with this, just that they know that it's coming. Um, they haven't said whether or not Andromeda is going to be involved, but I, I hate that game. Saying, what about Andromeda? I, I hate that game. Um, and uh, the first three games, in my opinion, are a complete set. They don't need anything else. Um I think there's some details going about uh, in specific specificity to this game um, and how Specifics much specifics of the game. <laughs> how <Sorry>. dare you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I, I I want this. I I've always wanted this. the The first Mass Effect game was flawed but brilliant. Uh, the second one is, in my opinion, perfect, and the third one got better after having major major tweaks done to it. Um, it's it's. It's a perfect set, and it's probably... Uh, it's hard to say it's my uh, personal favourite uh, RPG series, but it's way up there. So them doing like even slight work to it, I'm more than happy to do, to buy it again, uh, which is a shallow thing to say, and I'm sure some people would be upset about that, but not me. I, I want this. That's the entire point of remakes, as far as I'm concerned. They do it to get you to buy it again. They, you, you know, they remaster them. It's super, it's super effective against me. I, I am weak to its yeah. element. <laughs> yes, I shall remember this. Yeah. I mean, are the, do you think the re, rebranding with the all-new next-gen console stuff, um, do you hope for they pretend Andromeda never happened and they maybe <laughs> move on again? Or would you just be happy with this literally just being a... Uh, I'm going to say it for being a rehash. I mean, this is a ma- hey hey I love I love playing the same game over and over again just as much as anyone else. I bought Vandal Hearts for the PlayStation 1 four times. So that's the equivalent of spending 120 pounds. <laughs> but exactly the experience I wanted because I knew what I was getting. Yeah. But then sometimes do you want exactly what you're getting or do you want a tweak? I want those games to be less buggy. They're not up in the sort of like Fallout level of bugginess and breaking, but there was definitely times on my like seventh playthrough of Mass Effect 2 uh, going uh, achievement hunting, as I did, um, that things broke. And it usually when things broke in those games, it it, uh, it wouldn't allow you to finish the, the missions that it set you, yeah. Yeah. which was a big yeah. problem if you're trying to be a I completionist can think of a about few that. games that are like that, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if they fix those things, fantastic. It depends how much work they do to them. Uh, we were having this discussion earlier about um, Dark Souls or Demon Souls, yeah. sorry, uh, and how much work is actually being done to these particular rehashes and. I, 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 there aren't that many details available from the uh, article I've read. Uh, whether or not it's a new engine, I don't think it would be. I would imagine it'd just be a little touching up with uh, terms of resolution and things like that, or maybe some quality of life things like bugs that could be eradicated. Um, but apart from that, I'm not sure. So, fingers I mean, crossed, with, it's all the good stuff that we want. With Demon Souls being mentioned, um, that's out in two, like less than two weeks, I believe. Something like that, yeah. Something like nineteenth of November, so ten days from the recording of this podcast. Um, and one of the things, like I know, it caused like what seemed like an argument between me and John, but storming a teacup. No, it was. Uh, yeah, um, was I was watching the they almost came to blows via Discord. Yeah. Um, is one of the developers at one point into the play because it was featured on the PlayStation website and it's like here's 12 minutes with developer one of the developers Gavin Gavin last name's eluding me just with Gavin Big Gav Big Gav and yeah. and Big Gav uh, about three minutes in commented was like you may notice that all the enemies follow exactly the same patterns as they did as you played it on the PlayStation 3 because we took a lot of the code and just put it in. And it's like, the game looks great. It looks, you know what I mean? It looks visually stunning, and he goes on into, like, the the difference. Like, you can choose to either have it have look absolutely stunning, or you can have it at 60 frames uh, FPS. Or you can have it, like, super buttery smooth combat at 30 frames. So, you didn't actually say that. So, with that context, knowing that it's the AI behaviors that you're talking about yeah. with code, that makes a whole lot of sense. Oh. Because if I'm playing that game again, I want those uh, it's not characters just the AI, to behave though. the same. Yeah, it's not just the AI though. He did say like we've ported code from this from the PlayStation Three one straight into the PlayStation Five one. Now, as what you made the comment, and I agree, is like just because you've got the basis of something doesn't mean that it's going to go according to plan. You know, think of Apollo thirteen, the movie, when it's like we need to make the following components fit together, um, but they're different input jacks and stuff and now we have to make an array of like modules to link them into being the right thing and that's probably a little bit what's happened behind the scenes like the game as i say looks gorgeous um if i well i will eventually get a playstation 5 i I would imagine that the unreal engine would probably do a better job of uh, getting their tape together than the apollo 13 (laughs) team probably did yeah yeah yeah. There's also I mean, probably, ironically, or not ironically, worryingly so, there's probably more people working on the Unreal Engine than there was <laughs> on the Apollo 13. You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. Something more powerful than a Casio calculator is probably exactly, in the mix yeah. as well. You um, would hope so. Does uh, <laughs> Fortnite dollars have got to be doing something? In yeah. fact, I would not be surprised to find out, and this is only a slight aside, and we do this all the time, I would not be surprised to find out that the latest simulations ran for the space <laughs> program are in an Unreal Engine type situation. Sure. Because it, it's, it's just picked I'm, up and I'm more disappointed that Dan didn't mention a Casio science calculator like everyone would have had in maths lessons back in the day. And everyone's just there. Probably still now. Yeah. Well, it's like Worms was uh, developed on a graphics calculator uh, I randomly discovered. How? 
Yes, um, I would like to know the answer to this question. Too. I will send you the the link, but basically, the guy who developed Worms as the basic game uh, went to a games expo where Team Seventeen were there, and he showed them this game that he basically started off making on his graphics calculator, and then he took the code and went home and did it on a, a PC. But basically, him and his friends had worked out a way of play, playing Worms amongst each other using calculators. Well, yeah, because Worms is essentially just tanks from the, the old yeah, yeah. days yeah, yeah. with the new coat of paint on it. Sorry, I say new coat of paint, like a 20-year-old coat of paint on it. Yeah, yeah. It's just been, to be fair, has also been recast repeatedly in multiple yeah. different ways and still does really good. I, 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 feel, like, I feel like we're, we're drifting off the point a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Mass but Effect. That's the entire um, <laughs> but yeah, um, as for me, for Mass Effect, um, I have not played it, but I watched uh, an old housemate play Mass Effect 2 from beginning to end. Um, when I fetched up a, question, a point with him, he did make a intriguing remark. Um, what was the other game that he used to play at the same time? He very specifically likes those kind of like RPG games. Yeah. Like the from behind camera RPG games and stuff. And uh, Fallout, Fallout 3 is what he also played. And I just jokingly said to him, I was like, oh, um, you know, any particular reason that you will always make a female character? And he came out with the comment, if if I'm going to look at a butt for 32 hours, I want to be attracted to it. (laughs) (laughs) I think the more appalling comment to be made there is that he has openly stated he is attracted to a female that he has created who is entirely fictional (laughs) and who he has devoted 32 hours worth of his time to. I get the strong suspicion that most of his romantic life is completely fictional and... (laughs) We may end up cutting this section out. <laughs> just want to uh, highlight that here. Oh, if we're cutting this um, out, I'll just like to say that Liara is my bae. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're now not cutting it out. It's yeah. to relevancy. I, I, that's, the, that's the other thing, was the intriguing ships. Uh, we joked about this last week when we mentioned about Fire Emblem. Um, that's uh, an intriguing, actually, thing to mention. Uh, do you reckon you'll get new ships? And I'm not I talking about spacecraft. I don't think there's there's going to be enough development time for that Just sort of thing. Time, yeah, the, Especially the with the year that we've had. Time. The year that we've had like, yeah. has probably stopped any of that from happening, unfortunately. Just because uh, when they remade Tales of Vesperia, they added randomly a cutesy anime girl into the cast. Uh, I, I, I have a suspicion a cutesy anime girl would not fit in really well in the Mass Effect series. It, um, I mean, that one. long ball. Uh, funny you guys should mention that actually. Like Baldur's Gate, the enhanced edition, uh, when it came out, like I think four or five years ago as well, that had uh, extra uh, characters that were playable and extra romances that you could do in the in Baldur's Gate two at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not unheard of, definitely, but it just depends how much work they need to to do to do it. But I, yeah. with how this year's gone, I don't think it's possible. I'm, I'm hoping. Personally, for Mass Effect, if you focus on graphics, kind of up to the 21st century, metaphorically speaking, I mean, up to current gen at yeah, yeah. Um, PC and Welcome um, to the future, console, baby. But also the back end. So John's already mentioned a lot of the, the, the bugs, the Gar- literal game-breaking bugs. Gareth mentioned those back ends as well when he was talking about his friend. <laughs> I yeah. know, I know. Different um, kind of working on them, though, John. Different kind of working on them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's that's my opinion. I, I I want to buy them. I want to play them. 
So, but yeah, I, it all hooked me in. Yeah, I, I was kind of curious with a couple of people, and they were just like, "Do you reckon they're re-releasing the three good ones to hopefully do a fourth good one?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> ME four. Oh, you know what? That could be a. Gr- Can you imagine? That'd be John's day, wouldn't it? Really? Here's one, two, and three, and also at the end of three. We've wiped out Andromeda. Here's a <laughs> We've wiped out Andromeda. There's just a tar in the sky. It just goes blip. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You actually go to your games collection and go, it can't be true. And there's just a little it's section of dust, a little section of dust where the, the case and disc would be. Joke's on you. It's on my pointed secondhand game retailer. It's like, where's my stock gone? Joke's on you, Gareth. I had that on my EA playlist and that's gone. It's coming to, <laughs> it's coming to Microsoft Game Pass now. <laughs> The subscription joys of the future. Well, that's it. Uh, talking about uh, subscriptions, or at least the financial element, uh, I think Dan was excited to tell us some financial oh, yeah. news. <laughs> big, big gaming financial news. And it also, did it, did, did, the reason did, 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 I'm going to enjoy this is because it features a company that John really likes, which is also <laughs> a company that I don't really like. Hmm. Is that Hasbro? No, sorry, no, different <laughs> one. Sorry. God damn you, Hasbro! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so <laughs> let me preface this, okay? Um, I download. I got a chance to be in the beta, and I downloaded the game. Of what game? Forever. Which game? So again, Which game? Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's just let's just slowly build it up. Let's... All right, okay, okay. Oh, he's slow rolling us now. He is. He is. <laughs> he slow rolled the start of the recording with dual links, and now he's slow rolling the news. He's just feeding no, no. us the pros now, Dan. <laughs> you just threw Demon Souls in there, so you can't talk about slow rolling at the slightest. Um, but yeah, so I had a chance to be in the beta, um, the the closed beta. This was it wasn't the open beta. Um, I downloaded the game, and it was like, right, your release window is here. This is when it's going to go live. Downloaded the game. I set aside an afternoon for it. I knew it was coming out, and I took the half half a day off work. In my head, uh, Dan didn't just take the afternoon off. He ordered in a bottle of wine. Something yeah, a bottle of wine, snack. something to snack on. You yeah. know, stuff like a massage. Change the bed sheets. Well, <laughs> I don't know where you uh, play your video games, but uh, just uh, um, caressing the controls. <laughs> Uh, we use a keyboard and a mouse, so it's a bit yeah. different. Keep There's going, Dan. Though, Keep going, Dan. This is taking a turn, this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I opened it, you know, I'd taken this half day off, off work. I was so prepared. I opened it. It says you need to install Windows 10. I don't run Windows 10, uh, as you might have gathered by my slightly angry reaction here. And so ended up throwing, essentially, in the bin the Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> and now look at them. They've done really well for themselves. Um, Are you just they've spiteful? Invested. <laughs> no, I didn't. This. Me? Spiteful? <laughs> Come on. I have no negative opinions on any game except mm-hmm. for the past six episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the game, allegedly, allegedly, this hasn't been reported or whatever, cost $100 million to make. Okay? Um, and that doesn't include marketing. That does not include the marketing budget, which was an additional 70 to $90 million on top. Yeah, and reportedly, Square Enix reported what 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 is a six point five billion yen loss, which roughly equates to about sixty two million US dollars. To put that into perspective, for Marvel, and, and this is only in Q two um, going into Q three. This is exactly when um, Marvel Avengers was released. So it's their Q three earnings that they just announced. To put things into perspective. That means that they only sold 
approximately, nothing has been confirmed by Screenix because they probably won't. They only sold 3 million copies of this game. 3 million copies of the game. I mean, that's that's bad for... Well, that would be good for just Japan, and they have like a yeah. very small population. But for the world, that's terrible. It's awful. It is absolutely awful. 60% of plan in Q3. So they planned to get... Well, let's work it out. They planned to sell 5 million in Q3. So by September, they planned to sell 5 million. They'd only sold 3 million. And I don't think that the losses, the, the the numbers will increase that massively because I've not seen a lot of people playing it. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean they I'm... did a lot of marketing because they actually did a crossover with uh, Epic Games and the game Fortnite. So it's like if you downloaded the beta, you, the open beta, you got like freebies in the game of Fortnite and such. Um, so they've clearly really pushed the game. They've reached out. Uh, I know that, uh, that due to the joys of Oscar and the internet, uh, he watched Dan TDM, who probably got the same open, uh, the cl- same closed beta key, uh, so that he could stream it. So they were paying people to promote and push this game in an array of different markets. Yeah. Uh, as one of my employers would put it, is this just the cost of COVID? Uh, there, w- there was another thing as well. Like I listened to the Giant Bobcast, and they they quite often talk about Steam numbers because you can actually check physical numbers yeah. of people playing games. And for uh, Avengers, it was something like twelve hundred people on the <laughs> PC and the PC platform as a whole worldwide. Yeah. That's that's terrible. Awful. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, you can it... do similar on the PlayStation Network as well, because you, uh, if yeah. you go into a game's communities section, it will tell you how many active players are playing a game. Yeah, and I, I can guarantee the numbers weren't that big either. I mean, yeah. the, the best way to look at this, okay, is that this was a closed beta situation. Closed beta is designed to get any last-minute bugs out of the way in stress test servers, typically. An open beta situation tests servers, but should also gauge a game's reaction. Why at open beta did they not say something's something's wrong here? Yeah, and the it thing seems is that... that in uh, and this is exactly what we were talking about only a couple of weeks ago that they've fallen prey to the beta aspect of it, which is right. a lot of people wanted to try it, but they didn't want to continue playing it. But the thing is, though, is did people really want it, or was it for the free cosmetics in Fortnite? Because I will tell you this: YouTubers, in particular will they make an absolute killing on viewings for people wanting to find out about new cosmetic items and if they're free ones those video numbers just skyrocket because you know there's a bunch of kids playing the game and they you know they want cool free stuff i think that those those items though they must have only come as part of the buying the full game no really really fortnite it was got the item you got was a pickaxe and they're called the hulk smashers uh and you get two two flavors of hulk smasher you get regular hulk fists like the toy fists that you see kids using or you could have the hulk buster fists and both of these were free and all you had to do was play the beta now you had to register your because i think you could play the beta also through the epic store as well so you had to play it through the epic store uh, and they would go, that account has done the same. Because they're doing the same with Rocket League now that Epic have Rocket League. 
Um, and in both games, it will go, you play Fortnite, so here's Fortnite stuff, cosmetics for your car. Uh, you play uh, Rocket League, here's Rocket League cosmetics for your Fortnite character. And it's. I was just going to say, is that creating a false statistic like because i think the beta you're about to mention is when we were on about like the octopath traveler one we were on about last week weren't we yeah and they were like the first time we gone goofed but with the bravely default they're like look guys we're listening to you and with marvel it's like we've just pushed this as a big marketing tool to get people into the game to get people interested last time marvel did this was with marvel versus capcom infinite and let's look how that did (laughs) Terribly. Yeah. Uh, there is one thing I would like to say going in their favour. They chose not to uh, to buy the likenesses of the uh, the Marvel Universe in the cinemas, so they saved a little bit of money doing that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of money. I mean, they also got around that by the main characters are like um, generic characters that you kind of build um, and to fetch that to RPGs, which made me think a lot of uh, the... Sega bought the rights to Bleach video games, uh, mainly on the DS. So there's tons of weird <laughs> what, what, fighting what good, games. What a good buy that was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but they did, uh, and it's over there, just underneath my glowing Spider-Man. Um, there is a copy of Bleach, and I think it's, is it uh, Soured Souls or something it's called? Sure. But it's basically Bleach Shining Force. Okay. Uh, and that's exactly like i got it and i was like oh this seems okay i think it's when game was threatening to go bust so i picked it up for like seven pounds and i was like yeah i'll i'll try game out and it was like oh you play these brother and a sister and you get to like customize them the game was so boring (laughs) like i did like the first four or five maps and then there wasn't even like the open world shining forcing where you move from town to town it was like oh Here's forced story novelizations and scenes, and yeah. then battle maps. And I was just like, I, I looked, and it was like eight interesting chapters. And it's like, well, there's eight chapters. Interesting might be a stretch. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, they they did it, and you know, ironic. We keep talking about them. Guess which voice actors happen to be playing some of the main characters? Um, no, not our perhaps. favorite ones from Critical Role. Yep. So, I know Travis know. is in there. Is, is Travis uh, Thor? Travis is Thor, yeah. You've also got Nolan North in there, I think. Um, obviously came to power, power, <laughs> as if he is a, a, you know, a member of Parliament. Out of Destiny. Um, and what else did he play? He's famously Deadpool in Marvel vs. Capcom. He also as played well. Batman in something as well. So he, know, he's, 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 the one, he's the main he's character in Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's another bit of news we should have talked about, and I've just realised it's not RPG related. So, mm, I guess, yeah, I guess. But yeah, so that was my that was my bit of news. I just I didn't want to laugh at them, but I didn't get to play the game. So, take that as you will. Square Enix, we just lost sixty two million dollars. Uh, <laughs> I like I mean, how you just I'm deadpan. Sure, sure I, I like how you just deadpan looked that into the camera, just like, well done, Square Enix. You've done it, haven't you? <laughs> You lost $62 million. Congratulations. As I if mean, like they just win. didn't give you a birthday card or something. <laughs> I like how you suddenly turned this into Peep Show as well. <laughs> Thanks, Jez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that was my news. Apologies for the slight tangent. Uh, don't worry. $62 like... million dollars down the drain. Sorry, what? Who said that? <laughs> but the thing is, though, is for the way this year is going, $62 million compared, you know, 
I'll mention Capcom. Capcom, uh, before the PlayStation 4, uh, and they decided they were going to go into... They split Capcom in half, 50-50, and 50% was to try and catch on to the mobile games craze and create um, mobile game RPGs, and that crippled Capcom, and I will come back to that later. Um, also in the news... Uh, and we mentioned them last week in Ubisoft. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming out earlier than people anticipated. Uh, again, I think it's a 19th of November launch, so you'll be able to play that along with Demon Souls simultaneously if you're really rich and you've got two PlayStation 5s. Some and people have got it now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so. Some people got it. Uh, it has uh, some intriguing descriptors in a couple of news videos I've watched in the fact that it's an Assassin's Creed game that's open world. Uh, and they're trying to feed in events into the game. I thought you were going to say it's an Assassin's Creed game that's good. So, yeah. Uh, my hopes dashed. Ooh. You know, when they came for the Mass Effect, I did not speak up. But when they came for the <laughs> Assassin's Creed... <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a, Anyway, we'll, we'll not discuss that. But yeah, so it looks like some review copies have gone out to some yeah. influential people. Especially those with big Ubisoft... Um, you know, partnerships and connections, etc. And visually, from what I've seen of a few screen grabs and a few YouTube videos, quick ones, it looks really nice. It looks exactly as it should do on an X-Gen console, thank the Lord. Because if it had been like, you know, if it had like particle effects that were just off and, you know, and or it was just like, I don't know, 32 bits and that, I probably would have been a bit disappointed. Um, you mean if it was like Syndicate and you could see everybody's faces? Yes, the inside yeah, yeah. of their faces, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or like, if if you close the door incorrectly, it was like the, the the like their arms were everywhere and stuff like that. Yeah, um, it does not have that. And now it has made the record books being um, one of the first AAA games to mention COVID. Does it? It's uh, it is referenced in there because spoilers for anyone who has not watched any Assassin's Creed or played any Assassin's Creed before. It jumps between the present and or future aspects and the past, but and in one the current and the past, allegedly. But you know, yeah. how do you know whether it's the current or anyway? Well, because uh, the main uh, characters are usually strapped into that great big chair. They that stopped doing mean, that a while ago. Go, <laughs> so. Um, I mean, I'm strapped into this chair right now doing this podcast. How do I know this is really happening? It's not just a simulation. It's, it's not interesting enough to not be. So it... yeah, no, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no way that your brain would come up some, with something so inanely boring as us chatting about video games. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it mentions COVID. It's the first one that does it. It make a passing reference in like a memo or something like that. I'm curious know. as to how that's going to affect streamers and YouTube content creators who get demonetized for mentioning this topic. They'll probably they won't have to talk about it. They just have to blur it out. Yeah. It'll do that. It'll do that thing that. Um, it'll do that thing that PS4s do. It's just like this mentions something that we're not allowed to stream. You're not streaming it. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you just get the big blue screen, and it's like, yeah, but I'm using my graphics card through my PC, so all everyone can see is just like me playing the game with the warning in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the game? I remember someone doing that. Um, Holy Persona game. Four. Persona Four was terrible for that. Persona yeah. Five. No, my a, bad. It was a horror game. I'm thinking of. Uh, uh, something within evil within. Oh yeah, had absolutely tons of that um, going on. But the guy who I was watching playing was like, "Yeah, that's great. I'm 
using a graphics card, so I'm not actually streaming through your service. So yep. yeah, yeah. And Resident Evil Seven did it as well, a lot apparently. Apparently, yeah, after um... hours of gameplay, the it would, Capcom were just like, no more photos. Japanese uh, games creators tend to be very, very secretive about what's involved in their games. Like Square Enix is probably one of the worst ones, but uh, most of the Japanese producers seem to be like that. Pretty bad for it. Thirteen Sentinels. Um, The review copies. The designers told them that you are not allowed to speak about anything beyond thirty percent. Yeah. And some of the reviewers were like. Have you considered that's maybe why people aren't buying your game? And the answer was probably no. <laughs> I mean, I could understand. Uh, I, I don't. Let, let's not talk about Thirteen Sentinels again. We've done that for the past three weeks. Let, you know let's what? move I, on. I, I put on that last podcast. I put in brackets. Finally, <laughs> so yeah. we, we can't. I'm going to drag it back now. Now that you've made it a taboo, I'm just going to keep making it. Happen. I didn't bring it back, so you know. No. No. I'm bringing but, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim back. What? Oh, God. But talking about uh, bringing stuff back, um, I'd like to go into a little bit of personal history for me and John. Um, I don't know how... Well, when we were dating. Uh, yeah, when we were young, hot teens and we were dating. That's right. Because uh, we would have been teenagers at this point. Yeah, we would have uh, I'm not sure how old Dan would have been during the PlayStation 1 era. Young. If you want to give me a year? I'll tell you. When did the PlayStation come out? Like 94, 96? Somewhere 90, around? 96. 96? Three. There we go. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no! I'm melting! No! I no! was born the same year. Yeah. I played Gecko Gex on the PS1. No, you, you put the controller the... in your mouth and slobbered all over it. That's you playing. No, no, I, we got a PS1. My, my, obviously, I've already addressed this, but we got a, um, it was a, a, PS1 slim. a Sega Dreamcast. No, no, and then we got the PS1, just a standard PS1. Like, oh, just I can see it in my mind's eye. I didn't get that until much, you know, when I was a little bit older. Get yeah. get so was my was my thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, oh, yeah, I forgot. Actually, we, we've had this discussion. There it is over we there. We talked about the circuit boards of this console. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, um, so for those on the audio podcast, I'm pointing to my PlayStation 1 that's uh, just over my shoulder here. So yeah, Completely unloved. I was I was playing Final Fantasy IX with my daughter on this thing. Like, and for, now you've got a... It sounded like it was going to take off. A Sega of some kind, two Segas of some kind on top of it. Uh, no, no, it's Nintendo it's top. the mini Nintendo, the mini SNES, and the Switch box underneath. Yeah, so it's just like I won't make that comment because it's could be taken out. Nintendo's on top. Intriguingly, yeah. on top of it is technically the predecessors to the PlayStation, and then its future successor because Sony Nintendo were the original partnership putting up for the PlayStation One. Yep, and Nintendo kept going. What we need in this bad boy is cartridges, and Sony went. But we're about the future, and Nintendo went, baby, cartridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you went, you've seen CDs, right? And they're like, no. And they went, okay, <laughs> bye. But yeah, uh, going back to our teenage years and mine and John's love of PlayStation 1 uh, RPGs. So I already mentioned how many times I bought Vandal Hearts. Yeah, worryingly uh, so, yeah. Um, I only bought Vandal Hearts 2 once. Does that make up for it? No. 
No. <laughs> no, because you still bought three more copies than you needed to of Vandal Hearts 1. Correct. Yeah, but back in the day, you used to trade. You used to trade everything for sweet, sweet cash value because we were teenagers without money. I do suppose at the age of three, I wouldn't have understood about a trade economy in the slightest. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but back in the day, another Konami RPG that John owned, I borrowed, and we were both talking about recently, uh, Suikuden, or Sokoden. Oh, Suikuden. Uh, Suikuden! Uh, which got re-released. I think it's still on the PlayStation Network. But if you still if, can, you still get onto the PlayStation Three internet. I don't know. Uh, you can if you have a PlayStation Three, like I do. Yeah, yeah. I've got one, but it's not set up. Yeah. Um, but the developer for said RPG Delight uh, has crowdfunded through Kickstarter, and we mentioned it a couple of episodes back. Eudian uh, Chronicles. Uh, what is it? A hundred heroes. That sounds right. Um, yeah. 100 Heroes, it's not a 100 Heroes, it's just 100 Heroes. heroes. Um, and I, John mentioned this, and I looked it up, and it looks great. It looks really good. Yep. Um, it It's sort of like a, a modernised version of Suikuden. It's definitely uh, what people like to call the spiritual successor. Uh, the artwork is an intriguing, like, 2.5D. Do they yeah, still call it, it that? So it, it looks a lot like uh, Octopath Traveller. But um, the, the there is a particular scene that shows like a battle going on with shifting perspectives, which which yeah. does remind me a lot of Suikoden, but yeah. it, it looks very very polished and looks very nice. Yeah, uh, and also like those games, it has unnecessarily large amount of characters available to recruit. Yep, Suikoden uh, famously was it one hundred three or one hundred and eight. Uh, I forget. I think it's something along the lines of 108. It's over 100. 100. It's over 100. Also, in that game, you had teams, didn't you? So if you you played six characters in a battle scene, uh, and then some of the characters, uh, the ones that always stick in my mind and I've mentioned before are the dwarves, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you could have a little bit like the Fire Emblem games have uh, a thing called the triangle attack, which used to be only amongst female Pegasus knights in Fire Emblem... Path of Rad- uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. It is the three brothers, Oscar, Boyd, and Rolf. And if you train them all to use the bow, they can do it. Where you can stand one at the top of an enemy, two at the sides, and when one of them attacks, all three of them attack. Uh, and Suikuden has that, so you can attack with the the blacksmiths. Is one. There's like the uh, glass workers guild. There were so I many remember- combination attacks. It was one of the the best things about that game. Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Um, but then some of the characters like really out of the way to get there was nothing more annoying when you talked to someone and they had a character portrait and you're like I can recruit this little sod and then it was like you see them for about 30 seconds and then you don't see them for about 20 hours later into the game and then they go oh by the way I'm on your side now and you're just like oh and yeah. then the characters who you spent absolutely ages around refusing to join you. Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, like, some of them you needed to do specific things and you just didn't. Because yeah. like the internet wasn't really a thing back then. It wasn't that easy to just go on GameFAQs or, yeah. you know, the internet at large. Um, was it PlayStation Magazine? Yeah. And uh, I think was it PlayStation Cheats was the other one. Because uh, PlayStation Cheats, I remember we, we read that for Sukudan. And we played it for Breath of Fire. We used some of it for Breath of Fire 3. 
and reading the breath of fire 3 guide was you may as well have started reading the bible because of some of the depth that guide went into was absolutely crazy so what would happen is on a friday you would buy this shiny new game you would go through saturday playing it thinking it's amazing then you would get stuck somewhere about like saturday night now on sunday you'd go to wh smith's and go and look at all the cheat guides to see if you could find any one of them that had the answer to your question or if you were final fantasy 7 you went straight back to the retailer you went to (laughs) you bought the brady games book you went straight in there. I bet you John's got it. I've got somewhere the Brady Games book for Street Fighter 2 for the original Street Fighter 2 and Championship Edition. There I, we go. I don't, I don't know what those. you guys... I don't know what you're talking about. The, these things that just like hang about, like they're, they're very well made. Uh, they don't have all the correct answers in. Some of them are actually wrong in certain places. <laughs> but they're, they're, they, were, they, were, they were my friends. And for the, for the audio I, podcast, I'm hugging them John. now. Thanks, John. They were my friends. Don't forget me. I was there too. But you weren't there for me when it came to Final Fantasy VIII and nine and seven, were you? Were I you, mean, Gareth? I, w- I was there for Final Fantasy seven, but I also wasn't there for you during Final Fantasy seven because I think I bought that game due to everyone else buying it in high school, and I finished the game, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, what did you think of it?" It was like, meh. Ugh. See, that's why I didn't t- talk to you for like five years. So yeah. that's fine. It was a nice, quiet time. Just to, but, just uh, to bring it back round, I just want to quickly uh, answer a few things, and I'll just let you know. First off, uh, Suikoden is 108 Stars of Destiny. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, Ayudin Chronicle 100 Heroes might maybe have a hint there. I, mm-hmm. you know, I could be waiting. Yeah, yeah. JRPG putting something like that in the name or. All right, quite, the question uh, is, though, is it 100 in. heroes, or are they just the heroes that you can find? Because I bet you start off with a, you start off with a team. You know, you got BA, you got Face, you got Animal, and oh, then you've God. got the other hundred guys you can recruit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so one of the things I obviously found out about this is it was put on, it was kickstarted. Yeah. Um, so um, it was kickstarted. It was successfully backed on. I don't know when actually. It says the seventh of October it was last updated. Probably the actual FAQs are updated. It was a couple of months ago. People. Yeah, forty-six thousand yeah. people backed it. Guess how much for? Four point five million or something like that. Three point five million. It was roughly that in dollars. Um, but yeah, so it's about four hundred eighty-one million yen. Yeah, um, because it was crowdfunded in Japanese yen. So. Yeah, but this is like uh, we've mentioned Dual Links, which is a Konami moneymaker. Uh, one of the things that I didn't get, and we were talking about next-gen consoles in our Discord, is um, they're not supporting backwards compatibility for the PT demo slash trailer slash teaser. And you just wonder, like, that was going to be a Hideo Kashima Silent Hill game. And that, tr- like, that teaser, uh, find it on YouTube. It's great. It's brilliant. Um, it's an advert which required the general public to basically work out how this advert <laughs> worked uh but it's such a kojima thing konami suikuden at one point they were milking suikuden uh i think there's five suikuden games and there's a suikuden tactics game in case the rpg adventure element was too boring for you you can just do the battles um i will tell you there is that that, that is how many games there were yeah one two three four five and then six. tactics yeah 
Uh, oh no, no, sorry. No one's against so Osuki and uh, one and two. Even ignore that. So yeah, five main, and then you had um, Suikuden, um Tier Christ Tactics, and then uh, um, a couple of Japanese only games. Yeah, including against uh, Osukuden, um, Sumagareshi, Hayu, Hayu and card stories, whatever that was. Uh, yeah, they made. Uh, they basically were like, we can do Suikuden, Yu-Gi-Oh, milking that cash cow. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Uh, yeah. And the problem they had, I think, Suikuden one and two. Two is like the jewel in the crown for that series. Like the fan base for Suikuden two is nuts. Suikuden three, sort of people kind because it's sort of like trying to follow on from the war, so it's trying to be like an aftermath. Four and five people weren't a fan of, and Suikuden Tactics is actually Suikuden four and a half. So it's trying to just be battle scenes, but then the storyline elements. So a little bit like a, a Fire Emblem game. Or Lion uh, King 33 and a third, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to link everything up in between as to like what happened at the end of four and why the political situation is the way it is in five. What happens to Demon um, Pumba, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean... I need to. I'll see if I can find the message later. Someone sent me. It's like uh, there's a an anime series in Japan, and they were like, it's 95% uh, like political intrigue thriller, and it's like big butch military men arguing across the table kind of stuff. And loads of people in Japan got super excited because they're like, oh, we're doing a production for it, and people are like, oh, they're making a film. They're doing a live action film like they do with tons of anime. No, it's a musical. Really. <laughs> Objection! <laughs> um, like Konami, uh, you know they've cut off games development, and then you look at like so. There's Bloodstained, which is basically the spiritual successor of Castlevania, uh, and that's had some very high reviewing games. It re- released one on the PlayStation Four two years ago. Uh, it looked very interesting to me. Um, I played that game. I I wasn't a massive fan, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. there's too much cooking uh, I, involved. In what in Bloodstained? Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. a bit ironic. Um, <sighs> when most vampires like it raw. Um, you add the water got... to the oil. No, sorry, wait. Oh, never mind. right. <laughs> um, then you know they didn't let Kojima make. Uh, Silent Hill game, and yeah. that's two front. That's two things that can, like Kojima game sell, and Silent Hill will sell. But again, they over milked that cow as well. well. I, I think Konami were more interested in making money. Yeah, yeah. Yes. From their gyms right. and their okay. pachinko machines and their organized crime. Um, uh, they, they are... I isn't organized crime part of Yu-Gi-Oh? I mean, that, that <laughs> seems about right. It's the other way around. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you have to join organized crime to afford to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Uh, uh, early on in the series of Duel Links. Duel Links is different. Um, I logged yeah. back in after a year year off Duel Links, just as we're talking about Konami. We're not bashing them entirely. But, um, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I, lo- yeah, yeah. I logged back in after Duel Links, and it was like, oh, here's like 1,000, 1,000, 300, 400 coins, 200 coins. That was like, okay. <laughs> No one cares for coins, Dan. It's those sweet, oh, sweet gems. I did mean the gems. I don't know dream why it says coins. Yeah. Dream tickets. Gems and dream tickets. That's yep. all you need in that game. And back into uh, tickets. So, yeah, you... You know, the 
I, you're trying to tell me that a Kojima Silent Hill game would not have sold? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Kojima's not interested in making that kind of game at the moment. Yeah. But he was very much so at the time. I mean, yeah. E.T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he changes his mind. I mean, yeah, he also yeah. made Death Stranded, which, you know... is a terrible, terrible game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad someone's played it, because I've watched it being played. Death Stranding, I think it is, but yeah. Was it a terrible game, John? I, I haven't played it either. But oh. for, from everything I've read and watched, it just seems like a boring game. I, I do... I do Death Stranding for a living. Come on. It's a delivery <laughs> game. Yeah, it, yeah. Postal simulator. Yeah. Um, you get to pee anywhere on this planet, whatever it is. Sure. I mean, if I get caught I, short, sure. You know, I find a quiet area and I make a mushroom and out of the ground. Sure, why not? But, uh, <laughs> Dan, you nearly lost it then, didn't you? <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. Oh, genuinely, I actually thought you were... Are you thinking about a nunnery joke from primary school there? What no, I actually thought it was. I thought it was. Um, what, what's what's the what's the American thing? I thought he was self-incriminating himself. I genu- when he started, <laughs> I was like, "Don't be saying." I was like, "We're gonna have to edit this out, John." I was like, <laughs> "Is this John doing an Among Us self-report strat?" Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Police knocking at his door, Miss yeah, John. Like, I am you know, so. It's not like Konami didn't have the keys to make good games or the. Like produce good games. Yeah, but they just found that they could make money in easier ways. That that's the problem with it. I mean, did Sony were never going to make the PT thing because it's too much problem. Uh, they either had to buy the IP from Konami, or just shoot it in the head and say it's not happening. And it's easier for them to just shoot it in the head, say, "Get off your high horse, go bother Konami. Don't bother us about it. We don't want anything to do with it anymore. Leave it alone." So yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not saying that that's a problem, but what I'm trying to say is, like, Konami, Suikuden, they had the great RPG production team there. Yep. Um, they also were in part, some of that team also worked on Vandal Hearts. Some of that team, sadly, also worked on Vandal Hearts 2. Um, Silent Hill series. I mean, they're still pumping out what's Pro Evo called nowadays. I don't know. Pez. I yeah. think it's called uh, Pro Evolution, yeah. Is it pro- well, it used to be ISS originally with Backham. Gareth, it hasn't been it hasn't been ISS Pro Soccer since like 2001. That's still relevant enough for me. It still was, you know, it's a history lesson, John. We're teaching the people. Are we? So, so have a guess. Oh, wow. Nothing right. useful. I want to ask a question. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. Right, hold on. I'm just going to double check that they haven't released anything else for. Um... Okay, so in 2020, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what do you think Konami released? I, I would say a single word here, but I, I feel I'd have to bleep it out later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, uh, yeah, a, a word poop. Correct. They did, a big poop. they did a big poop, and it made them lots of money. I'm sure. So um, they released they released several on several small arcade games. We'll not count those, so Gareth, that's anything with Yu-Gi-Oh! on, because they only consider those arcade games, apparently, and release them on the PlayStation Network only. Full games. What they're declaring as full games. Have a guess what they released. Pro Evolution Soccer 2021. Yes and no. Oh, is it's it 2020 done. or something? I, it's I, still 2020. I've... They've released eFootball, PS, mm-hmm. Pro Evolution Soccer, yep. and 2021 Season Update. <laughs> okay. Which is... Um, they're taking 2020 and they're saying, oh, here's a 2021. 
because well, they don't want to develop it. Haven't Pro Evo done like they've almost tried to make uh, Pro Evo like a service game? Yeah. Like you can get a free to play version. I think you can get a free to play version. I've, someone will double check this for me, or someone can comment and tell I, me how wrong I am about it, my life. In my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Like it's it's a football game. We, we yeah yeah should be spending as little amount of time on football games as possible. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. And then the second game, anyone want to guess? Go ahead. I'll give you money if you can guess this without googling it. I'll 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 give you a tenner. No idea. Gareth. I'm just trying to think of what oh, Konami God. still owns. <laughs> they own everything. Uh, like, well, I'm telling you, if you can uh, guess this game name without Googling it, I will give you £10. Is it that stupid game about like horses on uh, doing some sort of like jockeying thing? Like racehorsing no. game? No. No. You ever seen that? That's hilarious. That I'm trying to find it now. <laughs> I, I don't think, I'm not even sure it's Konami. It. I've not got a clue. E-Baseball Powerful Pro Baseball 2020. <laughs> That that's it what's like listed it was as a... released on the Neo Geo in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Um, that is, that Neo is Geo. one of their selling points. Yeah. It sounds like the sports edition version of Windjammers or something like that. It sounds like we shouldn't be talking about Konami anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but, not I'm not saying the relevancy's gone downhill, but But you know, it's like are you trying to tell like Kashima do it like he's always had like narrative in, you keep like, calling him Kashima. It sounds like Kojima. Jo- yeah. It's Kojima, yeah, Hideo Kojima. Yeah, honestly, me and John were just looking at each other, and I could tell we were thinking the same thing. But I was like, yeah, but you know, he's he's always got like some crazy off the wall narrative and stuff, which I just think for us, like, it'd be great for Silent Hill. Gareth, do you um, not but... think that love can blo- bloom on the battlefield? <laughs> Is do you not think that can happen? <laughs> Are you reading uh, Suikuden quotes, John? No, that, that's a Metal Gear Solid uh, line. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know when your brain suddenly goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah." yeah. But, it, but the reason I thought of Suikuden is like some of the, you had like the fights where you had to like respond to the insults with the right insult and stuff. Oh, I don't remember that. Like it, and they were like from behind, like pseudo isometric things. And if you won, like the rock paper scissors thing, it's like I'm coming at you all full force. And then you'd be like, "Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to fall for that." And then it phrasing. You, it's like when you killed the generals after the castle fights and stuff like that. Yeah, the one-on-one battles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it made me think: Is there any game where it doesn't exist, but you would like a spiritual successor? Like PT could have been the Silent Hill spiritual successor, or Eudian Chronicles is the Suikuden uh, like, spiritual front. I'd like to, I'd like to preface this question that's been put to us by saying that it, Gareth said he was going to say this as we started recording, so we've had no time for thinking about what we'd want at yeah, all. Yeah. I would probably but, want a Dragon well, Age I'm, game I'm, that was. But Dragon Age Four is coming out. They said this like four years ago, the Dragon Age 4 is coming out. Quarter 1, 2022. They apparently started development of it, and then they were like, what did they release? They released something else, and it flopped. Uh, Anthem. They released Anthem. Yeah. And they were like, maybe we don't know what we're doing. Well, yeah, that's because all the... Gareth, it's because all the people that made those Bioware games are gone. Like, all the people that 
well not all the people I'm sure there is still people that have been there since the like original Dragon Age and original Mass Effect were there but most of the people that were like big on that, those games and the way that they were made aren't gone they're no longer there so they have no driving force behind them like the what what was it it was the the doctors weren't wasn't it that that made there, there was a pair of doctors that made bioware they were the like the the heads of that studio and they had all the they were the ones that got the um the star wars uh, knights of the old republic license from um yeah. uh, lucas lucas and they were the driving force behind everything that was good about that that studio and yes, they are not there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Mushkia, Mushkia, <laughs> and Greg Zesh- Zeshuk. Zeshuk, I don't know. Easy name to say. my life where we butcher every name. Yay. But yeah, so they were newly graduated medical doctors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they were called the doctors. And they, they, they did wonderful things in RP- the RPG world, but they, they don't want to do this anymore. So... I can't really blame them, to be honest. I mean, the last few games that Bioware have put out have been iffy at best. I mean, Andromeda is a, is a wonderful example of a, a game that had everything going for it and then just pooping the landing. Yeah. So, I mean, look at Anthem. Like, I'm trying to work out what was the worst thing about Anthem. It was, was boring. It how, well, no, don't get me wrong. That's, that's true. I remember the marketing for Anthem and how... A ton of reviewers and uh, game sites really were excited about it, and then the level of disappointment when the review version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lit- it was like you know Disney driving a pickup truck at uh, a family of lemmings near a cliff. Um, that's a strange very analogy. specific metaphor. Apparently, there, that's it, it's the uh, factoid of why people suspect lemons dr- uh, jump off a cliff because Disney did like a weird documentary on it, and what they actually did was they turned the sound off and then put different stuff on, and then they got someone to drive at them in a truck. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, <spiritual laughs> that's basically the emotional sensation that Anthem reviewers had. Great. <laughs> I, I just while while we are talking about this entire topic, I do just want to point out, um, Gareth, uh, you said Dragon Age twenty twenty two, yeah. Uh, that's what I'd heard nope. earlier. Doesn't have a date still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I don't think they need. They know what they're doing. That was announced so... um, two years ago, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would um, like a I Dragon like, Age like, game that's good, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I mean, you know what? <laughs> Without even thinking about it, I am going to jump on the back of um, similar aspects, and you've already mentioned it. I would like a um, uh, either. Well, I'm not picky. I'm not going to lie. I would like either. I'm not a fussy man. He says about to be a fussy man. <laughs> I'd like either Knights of the Old Republic too, a decent one. Okay. Or. Yeah. I would quite like Force Unleashed. I really did like that game. Yeah, I mean, the visual successor is that it takes the potentially the gameplay or the concepts of stuff, but it's not necessarily the same world. It, it's funny. It's funny that Dan, you would mention those two because they both give you the opportunity to be really, really bad Jedi, and gives you the opportunity to see what those endings would be like if you were a, a nasty piece of work. Do you I, know I'm, what game I play most of? The only, ending, the only endings John's seen as well. I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just you saying. I'm just saying that it, it's a it's a nice little look into your uh, psyche there, Dan. I, you, you know what game I play? Or, or, like the mo- I've I've diverted the most amount of time into outside of Skyrim, 
and Hades recently. Old Republic. Star Wars The Old Republic, yep. Yeah. I'm, I am a massive nerd for Star Wars and Star Wars The Old Republic. I mean, I'm a subscriber. Like, you know what? I've had to use the EA help option once in seven years. I mean, I, I I could get in a in a big conversation about the Star Wars universe. I used to read all the books, but that part of my life is over. So <laughs> yeah, I've it's over the canon. <laughs> but let's, yeah. you know what? We, we'll have to discuss. That. Have you played Star Wars: The Republic, John? No. Would you be interested in getting into it? Uh, Hard passes. The the sound that noise makes. I don't bear know. in mind. Bear in mind that um, there is more content being released for Star Wars: The Republic. Than almost any other game, barring World of Warcraft, that was released some time. Right? Am I right in saying that the Old Republic is a Bioware game? Right? It is indeed. So, are you basically saying that the Old Republic is the reason why a new Dragon Age is not being made because they're still releasing content <laughs> for it? No, I, I think the reason that a new Dragon Age isn't being made is because they've heard of this guy called John who is really after it, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. thought, you know what? Nah, we're going to cock block him. Okay, that that's. <laughs> But, but you've seen the cinematics for Star Wars The Republic. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah it, it looks like a fun game. It's just, I don't go for the MMO type games. I mean, like, episode two, we talked about Genshin Impact. I said it was okay. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is going, oh my god, this thing, this this free-to-play yeah. game that's like all the things that we want. Yeah, like, yeah. I, it's not for me, I'm afraid, so. Just quickly, John, with yeah. us mentioning Genshin Impact, it's getting its update and new waifus. Just, just putting that out there. He's gone now. He's he's like on the Hades three, which I'm sure we'll discuss yeah. briefly. I mean, John, uh, I like how you preface this question with like, "Oh, Gareth." It's like, but maybe making asking you this question without time to research a thing, you give me your truest answer, your deepest, darkest desires, rather than like, you know what? I spent three days plowing through this, and I've decided I like to be that, prepared. Oh, I like to be prepared, but you know what? I mean, I I actually did want a Mass Effect trilogy game, so I'm getting that. So I'm I'm happy as Larry about that. I will I will say something that isn't a spiritual successor in the same way, but I'd like a game on it. And I just realised looking at John, I want an X Men game, a good X Men game. I want. Oh, sorry, yeah, I should have clarified that. I want a good X Men game because yeah. if if it's any of the film games. Oh don't, god! Don't come at me with those, please. For the love of God. Would you like the uh, X Men to be welcomed to die? Is that what you're telling us? Well, no, 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 no. Would you like what? the X Men to ask you to reset your Mega Drive to go to the final oh, level? <laughs> yes, Ooh. I forgot about that. Stab someone. You know, there's people going to be listening to this who are of a similar age to you, old people. Mm-hmm, and you've just mm-hmm. stabbed them in the heart, dude. That you basically. Do you know what that is, Dan? Them. Do you know? Do you? Realize what that bit is. I, I vaguely heard of it. Was it? It was either a glitch or a requirement. No, it's a requirement. Yeah. So apparently, the Mega Drive uh, reset button is touch sensitive, and you, there were different states with which you could actually press it. But if you did it wrong, you obviously reset your console and you're knackered. But you had to do it in a specific way where it continued the game. <laughs> The amount of rage quits that game created. Yeah. Unintentional um, or not. <laughs> yeah. One of, the, one of the stories I love is there was... It wasn't Tales of Manor on the SNES. Was it Was it the YS series? But it was like an old Japanese RPG on the SNES. One of my friends got one of the magazines that we mentioned earlier. 
and he followed this guide and it was meant to be for like a secret weapon and the guy had missed who'd typed it up typed in uh left instead of right mm. so he followed this guide and every time instead of getting this super cool sword which he could see in the picture in the magazine he was getting a single coin and the <laughs> coin did nothing and one of my friends got that angry at the age of 13 he turned around shouted a profanity having tried this for about four hours and he threw his control pad for his snares and his room was a lo- not too dissimilar to my room it's a very small box room when he lived with his parents knockout <laughs> and jay threw his controller and the controller went out of the window snares, <laughs> and his tv fell off the floor and smashed nice yeah um so he he cost a small fortune and they didn't buy him a new games console until christmas which was about six months later um you know what no talk about x-men games i'm having ideas here right so i'm talking from the basic x-men games now star wars the republic if you don't know obviously exact same as most mmorpgs you select various trees and then you can select the abilities in them I'd love to see it from the base where you are just going to Xavier's um, um, School for the Gifted and um, you start at level one. You pick a, I don't know, you know, pyrokinesis if you wanted to be able to control fire. But then you could go the route of controlling fire or, you know, or being able to generate fire and things like that or just being able to generate heat. Like I, I would, you know what, I would pay good money to see this. Yeah. It's, but it'll never that's get done. Exactly the thing that I'm sort of saying is like, you know, you get a little bit of carte blanche. For me, I would really like two game series to get, get resurrected. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Before, before we move on to that, Gareth, I would like to say that um, I don't know if Dan was old enough to, to play it, but City of Heroes was yeah. that game. Like, I, it's it's quite old and, it, and it's shut down. I think you can still play on private servers or something like that for the hardcore people. But yeah, City yeah. of Heroes was that game where you could choose pretty much everything about your character uh, and you could design how they looked and everything. And what would happen is that it was a major problem for the game because they had to have a person go through every single new character to see it wasn't a... Um, an IP that had already been made and yeah. ask you to... Yeah, because I made a Giver character, which is an anime-based thing, if you're not aware of, um, and I thought I could get away with it by calling it like Unit 1 uh, as my character name. And about two weeks into playing the game, I got asked by uh, one of the developers to change... Uh, some of the things about my character. So they were going through every... They, it was quite a popular game as well. There, there must have been like 100,000 players or something like that, which was big in that, that time. And they were no, going through no, every no, single no, character. Sorry? Did you not just change your name to Unit 2? It wasn't the name that was the problem. It was the way that it looked, unfortunately. Right. But, um, yes. Um, not go, I can damage the control metal. It'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a nice little uh, thing to, to to say. But um, no, it, City of Heroes was that game. Unfortunately, it was a popular game at the time. They made a, another game called City of Villains, I think it was. Yeah. It was like a follow-up to the opposite of that, obviously. Um, and for a time, they were very popular. But then, I, I think, was it... I th- something happened a, a big mmo came out I, i'm not i think it was after world of warcraft but it was 
not too far after World of Warcraft. I can't remember exactly, but something happened and it basically shut the whole thing down. Um, did DC not release their own version of it as well? It they might did. have been. I can't remember. It was a long time I mean, ago. If anything, because there's no way anyone's playing that. But I mean, yeah, just to finish off this topic of the spiritual successors mm. for me. I know Gareth's going to come up with his. He asked us, by the way, I just want to point out, he asked us for a spiritual successor and their names too. But, you know, I'll, I'll give him his five minutes of fame in a second. That would be a game I would pay great money for if you could pick the trees, pick your abilities, you know, using your points. Hmm. If they could, if you could customize it in that way. I mean, you would have some people the same, but, you know, one person might affect physical objects, one person might affect the mind. Maybe that's how you start splitting off a tree, basically. But, yeah, sorry, um, Gareth, you were about to cheat the system and give us two spiritual successor games. Main, the reason I'm cheating is because they're from the same time, similar time period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would like Shining Force to get a good follow-up series, or at least someone to try. Because he released. You told uh, me that there was a spiritual successor in the form of Bleach. Did you not? No. Uh, that's more of a, a reskin and a money grab by Sega than it is a spiritual successor. Uh, they tried to make a game which was on offer on PlayStation 4. I think it's called Shining Victory. And someone said the game's a 20-hour game and 12 hours of it is tech. Um, I would like a good follow-up to the Shining Force series. And I would like, after... And I said I was going to come back to Capcom. After Capcom ruined themselves, uh, one of the games they ruined themselves with is they tried to make Breath of Fire a mobile game. <laughs> yeah, they did. They tried to make it a mobile team game. I would love someone to just... Give me a Breath of Fire style game. I would really love that. I would. I just want it to be a proper RPG. And by that I mean I get to sit there on my own. I don't need to wait for my teammates. I don't have to go online. I don't have to do anything. Let me farm ants or fairies or whatever the mechanic is you want to use in this version. The last decent Breath of Fire game for me was Breath of Fire 4. Breath of Fire Dragon's Quarter was a horrible mash of ideas <laughs> i'm unsure if anyone else has played that game here I, i'm I've, very excited for i've got it. three and four and just disappointed three and four were such good games and i would love someone from that team to be like let's do a great from both teams to do let's do great story tactics battle games with some puzzle solving elements Breath of Fire 3, I always remember when you do the haunted house and you kill the ghosts and then you get into the attic and all the ghosts decide they're going to uh, form together to make the amalgam uh, to fight you. Breath of Fire 4 was great for its uh, two main characters. Uh, That's always been like a key concept. Breath of Fire 3 was more secretive about that than Breath of Fire 4 was, though. Um... And I would just love those two games to get uh, a good successor. I'm not being like some people who I've heard who've gone like, I want to take this RPG and have it as an RPG battle royale. I want to take this RPG and I want to make an MMO. I just want someone to go, here's a great story. Here's a good combat system or a good tactical system. Let's go. Um, I'm unsure if that will help John with because John was like my spiritual successor is to have exactly what I had before in Mass Effect 1, 2 and 3 um, 
so that's why I was like before sort of joking maybe do you want like Mass Effect 4 or do you want some people from those original teams like the Doctors to maybe go hey we're going to do it again with a different team and here's like Dragon Rage it's <laughs> it's a different game but you get the drift no I mean I'm not sure what I would want though I, I'm I'm kind of stuck in the past like we had this conversation earlier on today like what is an RPG these days and yeah, yeah. We, we're getting on in time. I, there's other things we want to discuss, but basically anything can be an RPG these days, which is kind of a problem when it comes to classification as what a game is. My old old style look at it is I want a turn-based game. It either uh, has to be tactics or in a set location or something like that. But allow me to think about my actions, not just like be fi- what Final Fantasy has turned into, which is an action game. I'm not, I'm not up for that. In the words of Gary Gygax, uh, the problem with adults is that we stopped learning to play, uh, and that's where D and D got its ideas from. And if it wasn't for D and D, we wouldn't have games like Ultima and Final Fantasy and some of the RPG games that we're mentioning. Uh, but D and D frequently uh, gets revised and revisited and has a new take, uh, which Dan would like to talk about as a little bit myself. Because D and D are releasing a new supplement, and it is called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything or To Everything. I can't quite remember. Yeah, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Yeah. Um, and this is, I suppose, a little bit the spiritual successor of D and D from D and D because they're trying to make race less of a thing, or partly less of a thing. I I don't think it is. I mean, I think that Fifth Edition is is too important to them right now to even look at considering a 6th edition. They're making far too much money on 5th edition, so this is much more a way of revising the rule sets in a more fun way. It's not mandatory, it's just other options. So, um, just to give a bit of background of of this, so um, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is going along the same lines um, as other items, as other books released by um, D&D and Wizards of the Coast, which is, they're pulling characters from the lore so yeah. Tasha um, has spells like Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Laughter. Um, and it's based on Natasha the Dark, also known as the daughter of Baba Yaga. Um, so um, she is a, a major part of the themes, just like um, Hello. Mordekainen's Tomb of Foes, Volo's Guide to Monsters, um, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. These are all characters and things like that. Um, so yeah, so I mean, this book has, um, it's about 200 pages, new rules options, 22 new subclasses. So that is across all of them. Every single one gets at least two. In fact, I can tell you, because I happen to be looking at what the book contains, every single one has at least two brand new subclasses. Um, with um, Artificer also being made kind of formal there and getting, a, getting an extra one, and a few of them getting... Um, three instead of um, the two. But yeah, in a sense, you know, loads of new subclasses, new spells, new magic items and artifacts and special stuff like that. Introduction to magical tattoos. Um, you know the aspect from Acquisitions Incorporated about group patrons? Yep. That's included. Sidekicks um, yep. hasn't really been explored previously except for low levels and then a UA of the higher levels. They're going to be involved. So, you know, if you can get a sidekick, I don't know how it'll work yet, how you mechanically get one. That's there. Um, some more uh, Dungeon Master stuff. So this yeah. involves um, playing details, 
playing the details um, about the sidekicks, like I mentioned, magical phenomenons, um, natural hazards, so you can work out how to put these into your play, and puzzles, because apparently D&D does not have enough puzzles. <laughs> so there's going to be more of those. More mechanics. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, as Garrett mentioned, and this is perhaps one of the more important aspects for people who play D&D for fun and who have been locked down and spend a lot of time on it, new racial uh, or new um, new way, new rules to rework racial traits. Yeah. Um, so it's very detailed. Um, there is brand new spells in there. Like, like I said, there's a lot more items than you'd ever expect, and the subclasses. Now, the rules in relation are there. Um, I've only got 77 pages worth here because it, it leaked. Now, it is worth pointing out that I will buy this. I'm only actually looking at this for the purposes of reviewing it almost on this show. Um, this I will not be... purposes copy that I attained myself. Nobody needs to ask how I got hold of it. Well, it's well, it's only seventy-seven pages to begin with, yeah. so it's not the full hundred and ninety-two. Dan, uh, just a quick question. I, I obviously I haven't researched this as much as you guys have. I, it, I'm not a D and D guy per se. I do play. I don't. I'm not the biggest on this. Who's yeah. looking to buy this? Then is it for people who are DMing, or is it um, who, who is looking to get this? So um, all DMs will probably pick this up. Anyone who is a DM who regular DMs fifth edition will pick this up. Hands now, up, DM. Yeah. Um, but players who play a lot and players who are more experienced will probably pick this up as well. Mm. Xanathar's Guide to Everything was probably the most recent version, similar version to this in that it had loads of subclass and stuff like that. Um, and I went to our game shop that's nearby. Well, it isn't nearby anymore because so I've moved, but Gareth knows it. Um, you know, it was Harlequins in Preston. Um, from it's, Tom, it's, who was the owner. Say that again, sorry? It still is Harlequins. In oh, yeah, it's still Harlequins. It's somewhat different in Blackpool. Yeah. But yeah, Tom, um, I got it from him, you know, supporting local game stores. Xanathar's Guide to Everything. I got the special edition because it looks cool. Um, it, it's actually behind me in the wardrobe. Um, and I was a player at that time. So, because I was mechanically interested and I played a lot of D&D, that's why I picked it up. So I think that's where you'll get it. Um, I don't know what the sale point is. I'm just going to try and look now. Uh, the sale point is it's largely explaining how it will expand your adventure and your character choices. Um, Sorry, the price, sale point. Oh, price, uh, £30, no. I want to say. Yeah, it is. That's, so that's less than a standard rules book, but it's a, around about average of what they are normally. £30 to £40 pounds typically. Um, and um, I know that um, I share, because I DM, I share some books with um, online on D&D Beyond. So I will, they will probably pick that up as part of that because um, I'm with a regular DM. She gets all the books either gifted to her or buys them. Yeah. So that's probably how I'll read it on D&D Beyond. It'll have all the interactions and things that I want. And then I'll probably end up buying it physically and having it delivered at some point, maybe as a Christmas present, something like that. But a couple of quick points. It releases November 17th, um, I believe. Hold on. I'm, I'm on it. Give me a second. Okay. A week, uh, yeah, a week today. Because today is the night. Today's Monday. Yep, today is Monday. So a week tomorrow. <laughs> um, and when it releases, I will be looking all the way through it, and I'm going to find out everything I physically can about everything. Um, it also is probably um, the uh, penultimate book of the year. There is probably, I don't know this for sure, there will probably be another book that will come out around about Christmas time. 
because um, they tend to do it uh, adventure rule, adventure rule. So Icewind Dale came out about a month ago. This probably releases. This might be the Christmas one, but I suspect they might try and get another one out right at the end of the year. Um, if not, I'd not be upset either because they've released more this year than they thought they would because of COVID. They didn't think they'd release as many. Yeah. In either case, I will buy it. So let's, you know, people who play, play D&D and DM it in some cases, let me throw it out to the, out to the room, so to speak. What are your thoughts? Do you want to start, John? Because my thoughts are probably going to be longer. <laughs> I mean, sure. I, I, I'm not the like I said before. I'm not the biggest D and D guy. I play with you guys. Uh, you're my only group. Um, I'm. Anytime that there's more options, it seems like a, a good thing to me. Like it's not like D and D is short on options, but if there's somebody in some sort of like official capacity that's taking a look at this and deciding a balanced set of rules, then. That's got to be a good thing, surely. I mean, anything that's homebrew is always—it's always going to be a cause of arguments in groups between the yeah. DM and the people that play it. So, having a, an official standpoint that can come out and say, you know, that we've taken a hard look at this, we've balanced it for use for groups. Uh, these are the rules. Stop bickering. Get playing. Yeah. So I, I can see the the obvious positive points of that. I mean, yeah. one of the play groups I was in, um, I played a warlock, and I said to the DM, like, look, I want my warlock to have, like, ice-related magic because of the system I've got. And I explained to him what I thought we could do is I'll just do the uh, Pit Fiend as my deity, but thematically we just repurpose the fire spells to be ice spells. And he was like, oh no, it's going to be too complicated. And I was like, no, seriously, like, most of the spells are fine, but instead of it being like a scorching ray, instead of it being fire damage, it can just be a freezing ray and it does ice. Like, yeah. I'm not asking for co- cone of cold here or anything like that. I just thematically want it to be ice based. Um,. One of my little bits of a disappointment with Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, because as I'd mentioned in previous podcasts, I was very excited about this book. Um, I've also read some of the leak that Dan has probably read. Um, don't wizards, please don't hurt me. I'm just curious. Um, I mean, come on. I mean, of all the things you said about Hasbro, this is probably the least on their list right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's not all in a podcast. Uh, <laughs> my issue is is some of the subclasses that they've created and a couple of the other thematic things uh if you subscribe to the i want to say it's dungeons masters guild but it's not the dm's guild uh i get a newsletter from wizards of the coast and occasionally they put sample rules and test rules in the newsletter and a couple of the classes uh um, they've mer- like they've basically created a class where you play a barbarian, but you are also it's like a barbarian with some of the monk abilities, and that you can play a monk with some of the shared barbarian abilities. Um, and there's a couple of things where it's just because I have the test rules and I've looked, I've compared them next to some of the Tasha's Cauldron and Everything rules. It's just a fine tuning of those rules. Like uh, they've just officiated like their secret source. 
and I'm unsure how I feel about paying for that when previously they just sent it to me. I mean, yeah, that that sounds very familiar to what you did to a character of mine. Like, What's that? The the Donan character in... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds very similar to what you did for my character, so I don't see why you should have to pay to get those rules that are very easily implemented in a game that had nothing to do with this. There's a couple of problems with that. First off is that I know exactly what Gareth's talking about. Now he's explained it, I understand. I was a little bit worried where he was going. You're referring to Unearthed Arcana. Yeah, yeah. So, Thank you. Unearthed Arcana is the items that are released by Wizards of the Coast as playtest material only. But in terms of what they've included in their future books, they tend to include about 60% of what they release as Unearthed Arcana. They fine-tune it, they get the playtest, and they get everyone's opinions. At the end of each Unearthed Arcana, typically a one- or two-week period, they send out a survey and say, look, is this? Yeah. have you played this? Is it fair? How have you thought of things? Then they playtest it internally. And only then do they start thinking about three books in the future. Oh, we can include yeah. it then. Yeah, like, so like... Uh, the uh, monk... <laughs> I'd have to have the document open and I'm not opening it so everyone can see a massive bright light uh, flash upon me. But uh, Truman, our first DM, actually sent me the Unearthed Arcana for the Barbarian. Uh, like, I can't see the one like, you're referring to. There's like a, a magic using Barbarian or something. Yes. Like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So not a monk. Okay. Yeah. But, said, uh, that's what confused yeah. me. It was also in because Truman sent me a ton of this stuff and he was like, "Oh, just go to this thing and this is how you get it." I was like, "Cool, I'll do that." But one of the ones I remember, it was basically like allowing the monk and the barbarian to have like a shared path and stuff like that. Um, but the the barbarian class in the Tasha's Cauldron, everything uh, I'd seen before. Uh, I'm just to quickly go back to John's point. Uh, in the campaign that we were playing, uh, had Dan joined? No, it was before Dan joined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John and Becky's character had beaten the big bad evil guy, mm-hmm. and he stayed at a monastery for a period. And I created interactions in between campaigns where, like, Donan learned flurry of blows, and Orla met a cleric from the monastery and learned a guardian of faith. Um, but the I obviously very created a variant to it that was more uh, thematic to Donan being a key pointless barbarian and all uh, not necessarily as a sorcerer having a deity of choice. Yeah, um, I mean, and it's not it's like the, a lot of the stuff in D anD D is these books are cool for ideas uh, it's brilliant to have official play tested concepts that you know aren't too wobbly like every D&D campaign as we can attest currently sometimes characters can just be too wobbly like too, yeah. mecha- like too, too mechanically strong and then so because you know that's how the dice fall sometimes and then other times you have people who actually uh, make up like they use the weaknesses of the characters as a strength uh, in a narrative sense so you've got people who've got like that mechanical narrative balance um and if you're a dm and you want to try something like i did with john and becky who uh, is in our campaign 
I just said to him, like, I, I'm going to create this. I've got this idea, and this is how it's going to sound. And I wrote a little short story for them to read in a WhatsApp group. And they were like, that's cool. And we went with it. I, I've done similar things with Dan in the past. Official product is great for basically having something that you can turn to and go, this is it. Which then, you know, when you have an idea between you and the DM, like John was saying, if a homebrew gets too broken, you know, uh, I remember with homebrew, John once uh, playing Warhammer 40k with me and going, uh, I've created a single figure. Do you remember <laughs> where this goes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I created Avatar, uh, Sagnus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Primark. Yep. And I think nearly everything was a nine in stats. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and he was like, to make it fair, I'll use this single model. And I was like, yeah, sounds like fun. And I think I only just about won. Yeah, you did. That was. Uh, I was such a child. It was. It was crazy. Yeah. It was like okay. it was like a, a child's version of power fantasy, which means yeah, that yeah. it's it should be unbeatable because the power fantasy is that I'm unbeatable. Whereas yeah. that's not fun for anyone else. So, yeah, that I'm not like I mean, that anymore. I have suspicion that some of the concepts that your dad may have helped you with as well. Because I remember that uh, he was also a psyker with some weird AOE attack as well. Oh, I don't remember that. Like but... the Shroud of Sagnus or something like that it was called. And the attack was absolutely like... I can't remember what the biggest damage template marker is from a box of warhammer 40k but it was like oh it's that and it was like yeah sure whatever <laughs> yeah sure whatever and it hits like a flamer it starts off as a flamer and it becomes like an explosion it's like yeah sure <laughs> i mean homebrew has its own devices it must be you know said um it's a very similar situation just to go off on a minor tangent i i was i'm in the dnd i wasn't a dnd game it's on on hold where i was a monk and i was given a, a magical item that could double my speed but then, um, as part of the monk, uh, no, no, I was I was a, <laughs> an elf of some kind. I don't know, but um, I was then. Um, I also had an ability where I could spend a key point and increase my speed by twenty feet by the end for the end till the end of the round, which meant that essentially at the level I was at, my standard speed was forty five feet per, per per move. Then I could get the plus twenty from the key ability, so that I'm at sixty five. Then I would double that so it'd be 130 and then I would move 130 bonus action step of the wind dash 130 main action dash 130 which made it impossible for most things to ever escape me Dan were, were you wearing like red spandex with a little <laughs> thunderbolt in you yeah, there was a thunderbolt there you know, a mask came down well, every time I joked, yeah. it, I joked about the tabaxi because do you not remember when we were doing um, uh, the campaign with Dan and yeah. he had a tabaxi monk and uh, someone was like um, it was a and d meme and it was like using the sprinter through a car park and it's like uh, the DM, a thief uh, runs out of the tavern carrying your satchel, uh, the tabaxi monk. How long ago did he leave? Less than a minute. And it's just this sprinter absolutely oh, banging it through this car park. Tabaxi monks are also good as well. But, um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's kind of the homebrew aspect of it that is important. However, this does, this rulifies them. You know, it, it codifies them into D&D rules, I suppose you might say, and 
And it is really interesting from what I've read. Um, now, this leak has a lot of information. I will never take anything that is leaked as fact, yeah. mostly because it's missing items here and there. Words could be changed. You never want to rely on it. However, it looks interesting. And I will be purchasing it when it comes out. And I will also be making sure that it's on the D&D Beyond, whether I have to buy it as a gift for the DM or not, because, you know, they share content. So I just, you know... I mean- I'll, I'll- I, like I said last week about Fire Emblem being available on the Switch and that I don't own a Switch, it comes out not long before my birthday occurs. So, um, I get I get the best birthday treat this year. Joseph R. Biden is going to be sworn into uh, office on my birthday. Yeah, uh, let's let's swing away from that one. <laughs> let's let's swing from that. Um, from Dungeons and Dragons to. Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and, um, go on, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, Tasha's coding on everything. It'll probably be... Uh, if I don't acquire it over the festive period, it'll be a gift to me from me with love at some point in the near future. Um, just because I would like the official skinny on those rules and those things. Also, the some of the concepts and ideas are pretty cool. Uh, if I'm honest, at the moment, um, I was chatting uh, with a couple of people about how after this campaign I might take a, a bit of a break from D&D just because it's been nearly two years of creating worlds, writing, making maps, character building. Um, and as much as I love D&D, I also just need a break. Yeah. Uh, and doing something until you don't enjoy it anymore is it i want my players to enjoy the story i want them to enjoy my characters and i want to enjoy their company and i want to enjoy their interactions uh that's the thing that i want as a dm uh i don't care if occasionally we bodge the rules or you know something flips or you know one of us misreads or interprets a scenario because we can clarify that. We can just, you know, retcon things. You say clarify, you mean argue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't think we're very argumentative. I've I've been at a D&D table where there was multiple DMs. That sounds like a bad well, idea. There was one DM for the game, mm. but multiple experienced players and DMs playing. Oh, right, okay. And this is where the clash happened. Well, in my game, I wouldn't have done that. I just sat there quietly. Also, my character in that campaign was a mute. But I just sat there. Really well, actually. (laughs) Uh, I took my own alcohol, which was, uh, you know, a good start. Oh, okay, then. Be you up. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I enjoyed that campaign. Unfortunately, because of some of the personalities in it, it fell flat. Um... And that that's life. But yeah. for me, indie, cool characters. Occasionally, let your players do some absolute anime superpowers, dumb stuff from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had this discussion before between railroad and agency of the player, and you've got to have like the mix. So occasionally, as a DM, you've got to push people in, and then occasionally you've got to let your players think they're doing cool stuff to make the world seem immersive and interactive. Uh, and hopefully this book helps me add more of that to my games. Yeah, agreed. Although I also trying to look at like a sci-fi, cyberpunk style D and D game, but that's another thing for another time. Planet Finder, Starfinder. There you yeah. go. 
So the next topic on the list is Gareth. Uh, I think we're actually to to the end of our scenario. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> You've forgotten, haven't you? You've forgotten. I have forgotten. I've sat here. I've sat here very patiently, in a mute-like state almost, um, waiting for my chance to talk about Darkest Dungeon. Uh, uh, yes. Um, Tabletop to tabletop. From tabletop to tabletop. It was it was. Full tabletop game. I know, it's it been very tabletop top. heavy today. Um, yes, so Darkest Dungeon. I, I, actually, I think we all missed this news uh, from a couple of weeks ago. That, um, Darkest Dungeon have a put a Kickstarter together uh, for a board game that they are releasing next year, um, From if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, let me get my things... There are things. Um, there are things. There are things. So uh, it's been created by Mythic Games and put on Kickstarter and has raised $5.6 million at the last look, um, which is a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, circa 15 years ago. Um, so wow, half my age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, so... They've put together a, a game that looks and feels exactly like the video game. Uh, the video game, um, I'll, I'll do a quick run by for anyone who isn't in, uh, doesn't have any knowledge. Who isn't interested? Yeah, I know. I kind of slipped a little bit with that. But um, so, Darkest Dungeon was released in 2015 by Red Hook and is a side-on turn-based RPG based in the Lovecraftian universe where uh, things are bad and they will get worse for your characters physically and mentally. Um, they will uh, go into dungeons, hence the name, uh, try to find loot and a way to defeat the darkest of dungeons and what lies there within. Um, doing so will affect them in uh, they will get psychological traits that can either be blessings or curses and they will... Uh, you will, <laughs> you will get rid of your characters one way or another, uh, and you will have to replace them with others who uh, are willing to join your quest. Uh, but um, in terms of the board game, they've they've tried to do exactly that type of game. They've they've tried to translate everything that's been on the video game onto a board game. And I actually watched a like a, an hour and a half video of a YouTube uh, channel called Quackalope. Uh, who had been given like this testing kit? Um, it was obviously pre-release, and they they obviously had read through all the rules, but in a forty-five minute period, they had done one fight. Um, so that mm. should give you some sort of indication as to what's going on here. The game is. Yeah. Extremely complex. There are uh, many, many counters on the board. There are many different aspects of things that are taking place, many mechanics. And um, as interesting as it was to see like a board rendition of this video game, I feel like it should have been a little bit less than what they were, they are attempting to give. Now, that's Can I not ask a following question quickly. Yeah, go for it. Having watch this board game rendition where you just rendered board of the game. Ooh. Very good, very good. Uh no, actually. I like I said, it was interesting to watch because obviously I've played the video game and I love the video game. To see it f- almost 
almost faithfully recreated into this board game version is very cool. But there are things that the game takes care of that make it easier to play than there are on the board game. Because obviously, you know, if you're in, let's say, in the Hamlet at the beginning of the game and you're putting together four party members, the game knows that your party members have such and such HP and blah, 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 what equipment they need and what have you. You need to remember all the different tools and things that your characters need to be set up before you even start the game. It, it's a lot of mechanics and a lot of rules that you need to remember to even start playing, which just if, at a certain point affects your enjoyment of the, the play. So, yeah. and that was basically the after an hour and a half, uh, these guys were uh, gave their final thoughts, and they came. I I didn't hear them until I'd watched the whole video, so I was very happy to find that they felt the same way I did. Was that some of it needs streamlining? They could do without at least one or two of the different mechanics to make it more fun to play. Um, one of the guys has is a family guy. Um, not that family guy, but um. He said he wouldn't even consider playing this with his with his family because it's too much. And I can right. definitely see that. I wouldn't play this with my wife and daughter because it wouldn't be interesting for them. There's too many mechanics that are going on. Like, in the game, you have uh, bleed effects and you also have blight effects. Well, they're just bleed. They're both different yeah. versions of the bleed effect. It's the same thing. But because okay. they're faithfully recreating what things that are in the game, it's in the board game. And you don't need that. You only need... Because otherwise, instead of just having one counter to have to keep an eye on, it's right, two lots so, of the same yeah. th- the same effect. It, it's things, it's little things like that that add up to a big heap of mechanics and, and mess. Well, not exactly mess, per se, but a lot of things for you to keep your, your eyes on. And it, yeah. it just seems like a lot. I would say, though... Um, if that doesn't deter you from from what could be an interesting game, let's say you're a, you're a hardcore group of gamers that live in a house somewhere, you're a bunch of students, and you all live in your own bubble or whatever, and Pandemic. you, yeah, <laughs> you li- yeah, you all live together. You know, it's not a problem. You're going to be playing video uh, video games and board games all night, and you're hardcore about it. You, you play D and D, and like D and D is is too easy or something. Let's say, um, you can get this game. For a hundred dollars uh, on the Kickstarter, and you get the base game with it. Uh, this the base game, which is a hundred dollars, has seventy two models in it. Right, seventy two models and all the counters and everything that that you need to play the game. If you're doing it based on a, on that sort of metric, it's actually a pretty good deal. Yeah. If if you're looking for something that recreates this this video game experience in a multiplayer sort of fashion or format. I could actually see a lot of hardcore people actually being really into this. Um, I have a question, just quickly. Yeah, go for it. Would it not be more streamlined to get a group of four people and just run a D&D campaign based on Darkest Dungeon? I'm sure it would be. Yeah. Um, but how would uh, how would Red Hook make any money off that? They wouldn't, but I'm just saying that yeah. if you're a hardcore gamer, mechanically creating... Because uh, Darkest Dungeon at his heart is just a repetitive dungeon crawler. Yeah. And it's just basically, it's an Iron Man run where you it's like you find the dungeon and how far down can you go before you party wipe yourself. Yeah. 
mega mega dungeons are not new to the concept no, of, of D&D, not. but you and four friends could create character sheets in you know, for 35 pounds you can buy one copy of the player's handbook to share around everyone yeah and you don't even need the minis because the way darkest dungeon plays out is the the close is it's like four characters in a line in the video game and occasionally you can position people backwards and forwards so these are some of the things that are actually different i i say mostly faithfully because there are some actual differences and the combat is one of these things. So the combat is uh, on a set of tiles that um, that are overhead maps, and you choose one at random, and you place it, and that is your room that you go into. And then yeah. you take and you move as if you were on sort of like a like a D and D board essentially. Um, and that is different to what the the actual video game is like. Um, Another another thing that is in, kind of interesting though is that there's no DM, there's no um, there's no person controlling the enemies. So the way that they work that out is that each of the the enemies have a card to describe how much health and what their abilities are, what yeah. have you. They also have I I didn't get a good look at it, but what looks like a table of uh, behavior. So right, it and, it and it has this table based on how far away the enemy is, what role that it does. So if you roll like an eight or something, that character will target such and such person and do this attack on them. So yeah, it so that that seems like a fairly yeah. So that that seems like a fairly interesting thing that I've not heard of before. But then again, I'm not the most experienced person for this thing. So there there are some things that are definitely different from the video game. Whether or not that makes it more or less interesting to people. <sighs> I it's I don't think it's for me because it's just there's too much going on there. Yeah. But for a hardcore group, maybe they'd be up for that. I don't know. I, w- I will yeah. say though that the the seventy two minis that they that they had this testing kit that I that I saw, they were extremely well detailed. If that's if that's your thing, if you're big into that, it might be interesting. Yeah. Well, the artwork sort of it's kind of cutesy, grim, dark. <laughs> yes. It's an unfair way of describing it. Uh, I've mentioned this multiple times. Uh, there is someone I follow on Instagram called Lady T, and she is the lead artist for Darkest Dungeon, mm. and she draws exceptionally cutesy stuff. Yeah. However, she's also the lead designer for Darkest Dungeon. Um, <laughs> so go. So um, as well as doing this Kickstarter, they also re- released a teaser for Darkest Dungeon Two. Uh, which is meant to be released sometime in 2021. Uh, the the weird thing is about this teaser is that it was a CG trailer. It didn't show you too much. The uh, the returning the characters that are from this this uh, first game are returning. Um, but the weird thing is that there was a, a little release later on with some text, and one of the lines said that the next game is going to be in 3D and not in 2D, which will be a big difference between the yeah. two games. So. Uh, there's been no actual footage yet, as yet, um, apart from the fact that it's going to be an Unreal Engine, I think, that, it w- that was mentioned. I might be wrong about that. Um, it's just that we love the Unreal Engine, John. That's, it yeah. is. Well, yeah. Why not? But, um, yeah, that that was... I think that trailer came out at the same time the Kickstarter was announced. Um, yeah. But we all seem to mi- miss the, the information on that. I don't yeah. know how that happened, but that did happen. Yeah. Um, I mean... 
if, if I'm honest, especially now we were in a lockdown for another month and that could extend, etc. You know what? I'm going to buy, um, or I'm going to get it for Christmas on the Nintendo Switch, the 51 games thing. That's going to sort me for Christmas. But 51 <laughs> games, I've already got Monopoly, I've already got Risk. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if I can't do it online, Tabletop Simulator, you know, I'm, I really want to get you all on Red Dragon Inn. But, yeah. you know, you can get all that on Tabletop Simulator, whereas, yeah. you know, paying $100 for the base game, no, and by the way, that is dollars. It is Kickstarter probably shipped from America, which means you're going to pay at least thirty dollars customs on that, yep. depending on weight. You know, you know what I would spend a hundred pounds on to get John straight from Zavi. Uh, you can't get the Hero Quest game if that's what you're going to say. The Hero <laughs> Quest game is only the Mythic version, which is one hundred and fifty pounds. I thought that it was ninety nine pounds on Zavi.co.uk. I could be wrong, but uh, the first thing that I saw was for the one hundred and fifty dollar. Version, which I would imagine would be 150 pounds. Yeah. Um, but I, hey, if I, 100 pounds is too much for a board game. Yes. Bottom line, bottom line, it's too much. I, I know that there are people that will pay that. I'm just not one of them. I've got a question with board games, John. Um, actually, technically, too. Have you ever heard of what they call legacy board games? Yes. So. Um, I remember going to play a Magic uh, the Gathering event at a small local card shop in Lancaster, Mm. and he was trying to sell someone a copy of Pandemic Legacy. And this guy was trying to sell me this game under the the notion, he went, oh, it's great, it's £75, (laughs) but you can only play the game once. I'm good, thanks. And I was... It's because yeah. he was like, "Oh well, there's stuff that you do to the board," and he's like, "And then you might have to you like there's uh, like you've got to destroy bits of the board and stuff like this as you're playing it." And I was like, "Well, surely you don't. You could just cover it up or something." He went, "No, it, that's not the real experience." It's like I'm not spending seventy five pounds to make a mess. If I I could do that by just ordering something off Amazon and letting my dog have the box, <laughs> you know what I mean? I get yeah. something out of it. The dog gets something out of it. Everyone wins. The box was free, <laughs> but the thing you bought from um, Amazon um, was not. Was not. See, the dog gets the best part of the deal. Clearly, <laughs> um, I get disappointment. He gets joy. It's a whole yin yang pain pleasure kind of scenario. How is that any different than but, every other day, though? <laughs> I mean, I'm consistent, John. <laughs> okay, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But um, when you talk about Darkest Dungeon, and I think I mentioned it in Discord, uh, there's a Bloodborne. Uh, tabletop game. There is. And that's basically you roll uh, a number and then you count so far deep through the deck of boss cards. Isn't that, that game like. Boss. That game's like £90. So, I mean, £10 off. You know, yeah. hey. <laughs> um, um, well, yeah, I remember some watching uh, How Do You Play Bloodborne. It's a game that's between two and four players. And I was like, this looks needlessly tedious. It was. It looked like. A bad version of is it Dark Castle or something that you Emily and Linda were playing, and you were like, "Oh, if we could do it yeah, through, yeah." Is it called Dark Castle? Yeah, something? Escape from Dark Castle. Um, and I said, "Oh, that reminds me of Bloodborne." And then you showed me. It went. This is a better version of Bloodborne. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot simpler to play. I mean, my my daughter is ten and she can play it, so mm-hmm. that's exactly what we're looking for. But um, yeah, I. 
it depends on what you want. I, there are some hobbyists that are out there that want these kinds of like really complex games that really want to get immersed into that kind of thing. Um, yeah. It could be for them. I for the hobbyist market, a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars is probably about the right right amount. I mean, there is a, a three hundred and thirty dollar version that you could get if you really really wanted to, and you have too much money to burn. Um, but that's not for me, unfortunately. We're straight back to Hero Quest again. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was about to say, what's the greatest thing about Darkest Dungeon, John? Um, the greatest thing about Darkest Dungeon is you you feel pain when your characters die, and mm-hmm. um, it's real. And uh, when when they when they disappear, I, I still remember them. Yeah, like Steve. Mm-hmm. I was on about the board game. <laughs> But, uh, I Go. actually remember watching John. I actually remember watching John stream uh, Darkest Dungeon, yeah. and he was very emotively attached to some of those characters. Yeah, because some Especially, of them kicked ass, and then uh, they died. The characters I remember. Yeah, I remember one of John's characters. John was like, "I'm going to have to retreat to the hamlet because Emily's not going to be happy with me if she dies." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem with. That that was a nuzlocke B- before I even knew it. I I named my characters after people that I loved in in real life, and then the game took them away from me. Not a single one called Gareth, so he didn't really care that much. I think that says more about anyway. We'll, we'll avoid that topic for you, John. Don't you worry. I'll swerve. Yeah. We'll, we'll thank you. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Save me, Dan. Um, but I think. Am I, am I, I think the time is near. About done? Yeah. yeah, I think that's everything. And so tonight. we face our final curtain. Until oh, next no. week. No, no, no. Dude. Until next every- everybody, uh, we're going to go now before Dan starts singing. Uh, thank was, you very much for watching. I was playing my bard yesterday, I do apologise. Oh, God. Yeah, that's yeah. not your bard song. We no, don't, no, no, no don't, don't prompt him. We're not going to do the bard song. No. If any, if anyone's watching this and you leave us a review on your podcast streaming service or you're watching this on YouTube, if we get enough likes or comments, maybe we'll let Dan do his bard song. Oh, God. Uh, I then look forward to copyright infringement. Um, you know what we should do? And not sing. Related yes. to the bard song. Congratulations. Not necessarily related to it. We should do like a link dump because we all are guilty of just beforehand Googling things. So it'd be quite nice to be able to link to these sites because, I mean, we're not a new site. Why not just, you know, drop a link to it or IGN, like Enemy, which is where I found out about Square Enix and stuff like that. It could be quite interesting to do a link dump. It's too late now, but maybe for future. Okay. If you, if you want, if you care about that, let us know, you know. Yeah. Just... yeah. Uh, what's the email, John? It's uh, roleplaylifepodcast at hotmail.com gmail.com nice try though nice try that was close the year is 1998 and everyone only (laughs) uses exclusively hotmail yeah Um, I'd like to thank everyone (laughs) everyone for listening Uh, I'd like to thank Dan and John for putting up with me for another week Uh, and hopefully we'll see you or you will hear from us next week bye everyone everyone. good night everyone au revoir and speak to you next time bye now bye bye